to the O'Reilly Security Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Allen. This week, I spoke with Christy Terrell, partner at Bishop Fox. In this podcast episode, we'll be talking about the challenges of building a security program, integrating security into an organization with as little disruption as possible, and the problematic tendency for businesses to define security as a purely technical discipline. Enjoy the show. Hi, Christy. Thank you for joining me on the O'Reilly Security Podcast. Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, We're so excited to talk to you today. You gave a great talk at O'Reilly Security just a couple of weeks ago on building a security program in a very short period of time. So I'd like to start with a brief introduction. How did you begin working in security? Well, I got into security about 15 years ago by joining the consulting practice at Ernst & Young focused on security. Um, Like many people in our industry, I actually did not study it in school. So I have a kind of a different background, but I have been in the industry for about 15 years. Fantastic. And what is your role now? So I'm currently a partner at Bishop Fox. And what I do in that role, I've been there for eight years. So, you know, grown my role over time. But what I do now is really help figure out solutions for our clients, whether that's scoping out projects, telling them what's going to help them, what projects actually might not be necessary, and providing oversight for all of our delivery teams so our clients are happy with the work that we do. Interesting. As I mentioned, you gave this really great presentation at O'Reilly Security a couple of weeks ago, and that was on the topic of building a world-class security program in three months, which is insanely a short period of time. Um, So that's a really fascinating and unusual challenge. How did you find yourself in this scenario where you were building this program? Well, it started off like any regular project, (laughs) kind of one of those regular days when you go to work and you think it's going to be like all of your other days at work. So we were kicking off a project that I knew would be a strategy project for a client. I knew they wanted help building out their security program. They wanted to know what to do in what order, what to invest in. So I came prepared to talk to all the people on site there and and get that information gathered done and answer those questions for them. Um, But I understood coming in, it would be a more typical time frame, usually 12 months, 18 months. You know, most executives are realistic that things take time to get budget approved for, pull things together. So um, it was a bit of a shock to me when on the very first day, they said, no, we need something in three months. It needs to be world-class, needs to be in three months, get us there. So it was a unique challenge for me because typically don't have um, executives that, that, I guess, motivated um, would be the, was the, right, the right word for it. That's interesting. And this was a healthcare provider. Could you tell us a little bit about the type of organization? Sure. Yes, they are a healthcare provider, which means that they do have um, hospitals and medical centers. They've They've gained many of them through acquisition. So, you know, they've purchased them over time, which means they didn't always have a hand in building out those organizations from scratch. Um, And they are regionally focused. Um, I won't mention exactly where in the country, but they are regionally focused, but they do have multiple physical locations as well. And one more unique thing for anyone who's not familiar with healthcare, how healthcare providers work, many of their workers are not actually direct employees. So some of these requirements you often expect that you can tell your employees you have to log in a certain way, you have to use phones that we issue you. They don't have those options at all times because they're using, they're, you know, requiring people to use their own devices. So there's some additional complexity there. Absolutely. So when we talk about a security program, that that's a pretty broad term. It goes beyond just technological solutions and it 
You have to start considering organizational structure, workforce. That's pretty multifaceted, correct? Absolutely. And I think this is the challenge that any CISO, a new chief information security officer or director of security faces, either with if they're new to an organization or building out a team. It's not just about the technologies. It's not just about the technical threats. Um, it's how you're going to execute on all the work that has to be done. So, you know, finding the right people, integrating efficiently with the other teams and the organization, um, having those right skill sets on the team. There's a lot of things that have to come together. And one of the challenges about security is that companies like to look at security as its own little bubble, like, oh, we'll invest in security. We'll find people who are experts in security. But once you're in that bubble, you realize there's such a broad range of experience and expertise needed for so many different roles that you know it's not just a one-size-fits-all. You can't use the word security so, so like sim- simplistically. So it, it can be really challenging to educate clients on everything that's involved. When they just say a sentence like, we want to be secure, we want to be more secure, you know, they don't always have the patience to listen to the 45 minutes you have to explain to them what that might involve. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting for somebody to request a security program. It sort of hints at the fact that they understood that there was more complexity there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they this particular organization did have a few people who were dedicated to security responsibilities. So it's not that they had completely ignored it. Um, they just knew that they were understaffed and therefore underprepared for the threats that they were facing. Um, and they knew that, that, well, basically they were willing to invest in it, but wanted to invest in the right direction. So that's why even their terms were a security program. Like, you know, give us a holistic program, you know, not just the tools or not just the documentation. Like, give us everything. Tell us how to structure this. Interesting. So considering the timeline here, if we're talking about three months, I assume you sort of had to work on a lot of these different things concurrently, correct? Absolutely. You know, one of the analogies I like to use, it's uh, I did track and field in high school. So I was on the sprinting team. And when you start off, you know, before a sprint, whether it's 100, 200 or the 400, you know, you're all lined up on your sprinting blocks. And then when the gun goes, you know, you're all running in parallel. And that's what it felt like on this project. You know, we had different people and on different teams doing very um, complementary activities, but they all had to do it in parallel, kind of in their own lane so that we could all cross the finish line together. Interesting. And one of the things you mentioned was that they had a couple of people already working on security, but clearly there was the need to increase the number of security staffers. Uh, Considering the workforce shortage currently in security, did that present any problems? It did. Some of them were known and some of them were unknown. So the known problems were they did understand it would take a while to hire the right headcount. So they weren't completely unrealistic about that. However, I think it took them a lot longer (laughs) than they had expected. And in particular, to hire in a full-time dedicated CISO, it took them about five to six months end-to-end, which I think is fantastic. I think that's actually not um, a bad timeline at all. But um, many organizations think that they can hire someone within one to two months, and that's unrealistic. So we did have to reset some expectations about how long it might take to fill some of those roles. Yeah, I imagine, especially with this being a healthcare situation, that there was probably some specifics there too, where finding the right person probably made a huge difference. So um, I think it's personally also unsurprising that it would take five to six months. Yes, I mean, CISOs are just in high demand, no matter what, no matter what vertical you're in. So you know, they were flexible that the CISO did not necessarily have to have a healthcare background, 
well, if you think about the mission of healthcare, it's to preserve uh, life, right? It's to it's to keep patients alive and keep them healthy. Um, so they were actually open to people who came from other industries. Um, just for example, maybe automotive or airline, where that's a similar mission, right? You know, your mission might be to build cars or might be to build planes, but at the end of the day, you know, safety and keeping your customers healthy um, is really the ultimate end goal. So there was some flexibility there that they were willing to exercise. That's a really appropriate analogy there um, and some great parallels between those spaces. So it sounds like this particular organization was sort of a ahead of the curve. They'd already decided that security was important for their organization. They recognized they had room to grow. So they were sort of already ahead of some of the constraints that we see in other organizations. But I'm curious if there were constraints. You know, obviously, three months is a quick time frame. But were there other concerns here that other organizations might offer? also have things like, you know, budget concerns or were things made pretty wide open for you to do what you needed to do to make this world-class security program? I think things were, the, the, the lanes were open for us. It was, it was not too difficult in terms of things like budget or prioritization. The, the biggest constraint that we had that is the same for any company is the reality of the day-to-day job of other teams. Right. We weren't stopping the mission of the company. We couldn't stop the progress and projects that other IT teams already had going. So there was a lot that we had to do and be self-sufficient to do on our own because we couldn't just halt everything just because we were coming in with our own agenda. And that's fairly typical, but that was our biggest constraint was relying on other teams and needing to work with them to make sure that we could make progress either without them or you know, alongside them. I would say those features of being willing to work concurrently and able to work concurrently with other teams would be indicative of a healthy functional security team just about anywhere. Is that in line with your experience? Yes, definitely. Um, the, being able to work collaboratively and to support other teams with your security goals is absolutely critical. Typically, teams have their own projects and agendas. And if you can explain how security will actually help those in the end, they, they want to participate in your work as well. But it's also integrated. You have to rely on each other in the same way that security can support their initiatives. They need to support ours. That's fantastic. I love that you're reframing security um, to help people. I've, I saw some really great other presentations that are really security that touched on that. The fact that if we can make uh, secure practices easier and better and, and help people understand the value, that can really take your security so much further as an organization. So back to your story here, that you were tasked with this monumental challenge. And in such a short time frame, I'm curious, where did you start? I feel like we started from kind of ground zero, if you will. You know, how would we build this ideally, even though there were some existing team members and some existing products, you know, that was not sufficient and was not necessarily working. So we had the opportunity with a clean slate. So we really started with that common triad of people, process, and technology. And on the people side, everything from reevaluating the organizational structure. How many people should there be? What titles should they have? What should the reporting structure be? What should security take on itself versus what responsibilities should we ask IT to do or let them to keep doing? So on the people side, that was really important to figure out the org structure. And then for processes, there are lots of pain point areas. So when we developed processes that are the right thing to do, they're you know, foundational security practices, 
we started with the ones that would solve some immediate problems they had. So they would see value in what a process can achieve. So the process is not just a piece of paper or a checklist intended to make people's lives more difficult, but that the process can actually help people understand where something is at in the flow, when something will get done, have SLAs defined. So defining the processes was really important to win over uh, the, the business and IT teams. And then finally, on the technology side, we really wanted to emphasize that the tools they already had, there may be nothing wrong with them. Let's look at how they're being used, if they're being optimized, because investing, not just the upfront investment in security technology, but the cost to replace that, the perhaps consulting costs or kind of churn costs of having to rip and replace can be very high and can derail some of your other progress. So we want to make sure that they were using everything to their fullest capacity and fullest advantage before we went down the path of saying they need to buy net new products. That's interesting. It's uh, obviously, you know, I kind of asked where we began and I love your answer because it says you started where you were. Uh, You took stock of where you were starting from. You thought about quick wins. You set expectations and you set a plan. Um, And that's so applicable to so many different scenarios. So this was a very specific use case, Um, and each company or organization has different needs and different threat landscapes, but would many of the considerations and components of your plan be the same for other organizations? Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a few things to say on this point, actually. You know, first of all, an organization's security program should be tuned to the threats that they face. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. We can talk all we want about people and processes and tools, but the reason we invest in this is to you know, mitigate the, the threats that a company faces. The challenge is, is that some companies are not even suited to understand adequately what those threats are, right? If they don't have the people or the processes or the tools in place, they might have a misconstrued opinion about where they should invest because they're not even seeing the full picture. So this is when I said earlier, we really started from a clean slate. Um, we didn't want to jump to too many conclusions of what the threat landscape really looked like until we had some more foundational pieces in place. And so I think that that relates well to how any company can look at this. Now, some are more mature and might be more looking at the you know technical threats, and that's their area of focus, and that's great, but that wasn't the same for this situation. Yeah, it's interesting. I think one of the largest challenges we see across the board in security is effectively setting priorities for your program. Yeah. Well, one thing about priorities, actually, I'd like to go back to something else on the comment about this with how to kind of embark on this. Getting buy-in from internal stakeholders is really critical. I think I mentioned that before. But when you don't have security savvy executives, it can be really useful to use some external like frameworks, if you will, to drive your program. Not because they replace, you know, the direction you want to go or you want to just be compliant, but I think that's something that can be used for other companies as well. If people are looking to do this, um, you know, don't look at those regulatory or compliance frameworks as as a bad thing or as just compliance. They're often a really useful translation tool to get buy-in from other executives because they can you can point to it. You can say. I'm not making this up. This checklist of 12 things is not something that just me as an individual are saying we should do. It's something that 
your peers in this industry agree on. No, that's that's a fantastic point. And we see this a lot, sort of bridging the gap between the business and your security teams. Um, there's been some really interesting things I've seen where people talk about the difference even between how a security team might define risk and how your C-suite might define risk. So thinking about the fact that your audience, in this case, is coming from a different point of view is, is so helpful in setting up those conversations for success. Yes, absolutely. When we're considering comprehensive solutions like this, how do you effectively set those priorities and decide where to start? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we all can agree on the end goal, which is we're trying to be more secure or we're having, you know, have a more effective security posture. But there's so many different paths you can take to get to that end goal. So it's really easy, I find, because I've been doing this for so many organizations over the years. I might have the blueprint in my mind. I might already have an opinion from the first day on, on how I want to get somewhere. But it's so important to tune that and customize that to the culture of the organization that you're in. So as I said earlier, one way that you can do that is to help solve some immediate problems. Because you know if they see value in the changes that you're making, whether it's a process you're putting in place or adjustments you're making to a tool that they get better data from, they're more likely to support you for those later phases. And the later phases are often the ones that get a little more difficult, a little more sticky, maybe a little more expensive because the foundational things are pretty easy for security experts to come in and almost out of their back pocket say, well, here's the right way we should do this or here's a comprehensive policy we can follow. When the rubber hits the road and you're really asking for time from the different IT teams or you're asking them to change a process they already follow, that's where having that buy-in early on is important. So those priorities and like where to start, I do think there's a lot of flexibility. There's not a one-size-fits-all for that. But as long as it's going to work culturally and, and start to get that momentum, that's what's important. That's really interesting. I don't think we give enough um thought to sort of the cultural implications sometimes of what it means to build secure programs and getting buy-in from all the appropriate stakeholders is such an important piece. So thank you for bringing that to our attention here. So I'm curious, what was the end result of this project? Uh, Did you meet your goal of building this program in three months or where did it end? Well, it didn't end at three months. I think that I'll give that that away right now. It wasn't simply just three months of work. But yes, at three months, we had established a comprehensive program that had roles and responsibilities and processes and optimized tools. So we did achieve quite a bit in those three months. One of the things that we use as our measure of success is you know, world-class, right? What does that mean? And, and we did have multiple conversations with our sponsor and executives about what they expected when they meant that. And they didn't always know for sure. I mean, they thought it meant they didn't want to be the next healthcare company in the news. And while I can understand that, that's not, that's not necessarily the right end goal because what's more important than just not being in the news is how you handle security incidents when they occur. So we were able to sort of shift that perspective and say, well, while no one could ever guarantee that you're not going to be in the news or you're not going to have a security incident, What we can give you confidence in is your ability to identify and detect and respond to incidents that do occur, you know, hopefully to actually prevent them being security breaches. But even if eventually they were, we would know that we did everything right 
So that's what world class really was for them, is to be that kind of strong standpoint where they would have confidence in their abilities. So there was a lot of work that went into that in terms of thousands of hours of effort on our team's part across several different work streams. But at the end, at that three months, we had given them a, a clear organizational structure and job descriptions um, and like racing matrices of what people in what roles would interact with what teams in what way. We gave them repeatable processes that were already working that they could continue to follow. And we had made sure that the tools that they already had in their environment were working to the best of their capabilities. And then finally, there's one more thing that was really important. We did win over IT teams that had been underwhelmed with the lack of support they had previously been getting from the security. But obviously, as a small team, there, there was no chance to have gotten the support they needed. So we were able to show them that security can help them. So they were on board with the work that followed after those three months. Yeah, it's interesting because we're talking about building the program, but something you just touched on is the fact that it had to be self-sustainable after that time. It wasn't just about building it, it was about building it to succeed long-term. Yes, and that's something that um, you know, I've, I've been in, uh, in consulting, in security consulting for 15 years. So I you know, have my own perspective on this, but while as a consultant, we are trying to you know, show value with the time that we're spending. We're also trying to show value that when we leave, that we've left something behind that can be used. And so at every step of the way, we were essentially trying to put ourselves out of the job, right? We're trying to make ourselves not needed by getting a process in place or having a tool that's running efficiently so that we don't have to keep doing that. And so that they have confidence they can run it themselves or that that problem has been fixed. Wow, that's really inspiring uh, to see that you were able to have such an impact and hopefully such a really long-term impact on this organization. So I'm curious if you were to tackle the same problem again, how would you do it differently? That's a great question. We did not do everything perfectly. <laughs> I mean, no one ever does, but definitely when you try to throw a lot of people at a problem in a very short period of time, it doesn't always go as smoothly as you would like. You know, one of the things I think we could have done a better job at, um, and I would encourage everyone to really consider seriously if you're doing transformation projects, is to really engage as early on with the existing team members that kind of you're, you're joining, for, especially for coming in from the outside. So in this scenario, that's the existing security team. Um, I, I think what we did not as well is that we kind of rushed past them. You know, we had our deadlines and our mission and we had to get those done, but we could have integrated a little bit better earlier on. It's something I touched upon in my O'Reilly presentation. And so I won't go into the details here, but that's something I think we would have done a little bit differently. Another thing I think we could have done differently that I'm starting to do since this experience is to take a slightly more threat-based approach to how we articulate the priorities for an organization. It was easy in this scenario to say, we're starting with a clean slate, so we need to start with all the best practices. And the executives understood that. But I think that in lots of companies that have already maybe tried and failed multiple things over the years, they don't want to just be told that they're going to spend a lot of money to build processes or to invest in tools. They want to know how it's going to materially impact their threat landscape and their ability to defend that. And so it's not that we didn't address that, but it's something that I would say we could have done a little bit differently, a little bit more explicit. And it's something we've been doing since this project and it's worked well. 
I'm curious what that would look like when you're talking about a more threat-based perspective. Would that be as simple as naming what you think the most common threats are? I think it's using some of the common threats as illustrations for where their capabilities currently are working well and not working well. So I, I said at a higher level, your ability to identify and detect and respond to a security incident. And I can say that so quickly because I say it <laughs> you know, multiple times a week, right? But if you're talking to executives for the first time and causing them to, you know, challenging them to think about what is security's really real mission for your organization? Like what, what's the worst thing that could happen? What, what do you not want to have happen? What impacts would be unacceptable? It's articulating those and saying, okay, if here's our worst case scenario, are we prepared for that scenario? And why not? And if we're not, what do we have to do to fix that? And it still might be people or processes or technology, but you almost have this illustrative example as an end goal, not just as conceptual. We want to be more secure. We want to be world class. Mm. It's more specific. And more defined. That makes a lot of sense. So if you could extrapolate some of the takeaways from this experience that might help others and other organizations build a security program for their organization, what advice would you give them? I think the three takeaways, the three actionable things that everyone can do is first to keep your focus on the foundational security components. It's really easy to chase the like sexy threat out there or, you know, the latest ransomware and to think that that should be what you're trying to prevent. But most companies are not even in a position to accurately detect that's even occurred because there's so many other things that they've missed. So it's not as interesting per se, because it's not as cutting edge, but foundational security practices cannot be ignored. And then second, to align the incentives. You know, security has incentives to prevent bad things from happening and to be more prepared, but that's not what the other teams necessarily think about. So making sure, whether it's business or IT groups, um, making sure that you're supporting them, that they feel that they are better off by the work that you are doing. And then thirdly, defining success. You know, what what is success for security for this organization? And, you know, hopefully it's not just something like be compliant with a framework, even if you use a framework to your advantage, but what threats are we trying to mitigate? You know, what what's our acceptable posture? And that can be success. Those are all fantastic points, and I love how they all tie together. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of our podcast, you gave a talk on building a world-class security program in three months at the recent O'Reilly Security Conference. Uh, for listeners who are interested in seeing your talk, I just want to let them know that it's available on Safari, along with the rest of the recorded talks and keynotes from this year's event. Um, I highly recommend listeners that you go check it out. It was a fantastic talk, and it really builds off our conversation today. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining me on the O'Reilly Security Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, remember to subscribe to the O'Reilly Security Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. Mm-hmm.